This episode was brought to you by Bookout Blooms. Bookout Blooms sells cut flowers and designs. They're located in South End Charlotte. They have beautiful flower arrangements for any occasion you can think of. They even have classes where you and a group of girlfriends can come and learn to make your own bouquets. So head on over to www.bookoutblooms.com to learn more information. And if you stop by the shop, tell them that those other girls sent you. views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect our employers. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Those Are the Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory. I'm Victoria. And we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. All right, guys, we have an awesome guest on today. We have um, Mary-Kate Knorr. Mary-Kate developed a passion for women's health care during her time as the executive director of Illinois' Right to Life. As she traveled to speak and teach about abortion, it became clear to her that a lot larger conversation on the culture and quality of women's health care needs to occur. Femine, how do you pronounce it, Mary-Kate? Femine Vero. I got it. I got it. Femine Vero was born. (laughs) Femine Vero was born from her desire to make life affirming solutions oriented healthcare available for all women, regardless of their socioeconomic backgrounds. Prior to her work in the pro life movement, Mary Kate was an operative and communications advisor in numerous state and federal political campaigns. She was quoted in the Chicago Tribune the Chicago Sun-Times, the New Yorker, the Washington Post, and has been featured on WGN, ABC7, CBS, and Fox News, among others. In the past two years alone, Mary-Kate has spoken before thousands on the need for abortion restrictions in Illinois. She has presented to law and medical students at Northwestern University and to undergraduates at the University of Chicago, where she debated Professor Jeffrey Stone, who was a clerk on the U.S. Supreme Court when Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973. Welcome, Mary Kate. Yes. Okay. I did not know some of that. That is really cool. Specifically, <laughs> that last sentence. That is really, really cool. To to date, the wildest day of my life. I won't lie wow. to you. It was crazy. The Lord just like made things happen. It was it was crazy, and so, the guy was so flustered when it was over, which was really like, the coolest good. thing ever. Yeah. It was yeah. Awesome. It was what so was awesome. his arguments like? What like? Can you give us like a brief synopsis of what happened that day before we get into Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, It's so funny because I had spoken at the University of Chicago for their pro-life group. Um, They have a, it's not students for life, but it's like a similar type of group on campus. And um, it was the worst speaking engagement I've ever had. I had like more protesters in the room than students. And they were like throwing stuff at me and like calling me a white supremacist and all these crazy things. 
And like, I actually was like afraid for my well-being. Like oh this God, is the only oh, time wow. that's, that this is the only time that's ever happened to me. And so I left. And as I was driving home from the worst event of my life, I had an invitation in my inbox to come back to the university of Chicago to debate this professor. And I was like, I would have to be nuts to take this invitation. Um, and I just like took it to prayer and I just felt like, no, like I need to go. I need to show up even if it's going to be terrible. And I like had all my prayer warriors praying for me during this. And I was like super prepped. I was like watching all of the abortion debate videos I could find on YouTube leading up to this. And I don't know what it was, but the Lord just like gave me the right words. And this guy, uh, professor stone, who was a clerk on the U S Supreme court, obviously, as it, as it says in my bio, when, when Roe v. Wade was decided on, he, uh, was going to all of the classic arguments that like, you know, that the public wanted this and that like majority had, you know, like the majority rule had spoken and all these things. And he was specifically, I think the thing that really stopped him up is that he was saying that the stat at the time was that there were more women dying from back alley abortions than there were, um, women dying from, or something like that. It was like, there was like a really high number of back alley abortion, women dying from back alley abortions at that time, which we now know because Bernard Nathanson, who was the founder of NARAL has since said that was a full, full stop lie, like mm-hmm. blatant lie. Like they just, everybody pay attention to that. It was yeah. a lie. They made that up. Yeah. And I said that in the debate and this guy was like, jaw on the floor, like did not know what to say. <laughs> and it was just wow. one of those moments that I was like, the Lord gave me that because I don't yeah. even know how I knew that that was true, but like, yeah, it was crazy. So all things to, all to say, like the Lord will deliver us the truth in the moments that we need it. Because to this yeah. day, that was like the most miraculous interaction I've ever had. Like this man who played such a pivotal role in that ruling. And I'm standing across the room from him. And I was like, dude, you're wrong and you're lying. And he had nothing to say in response. It was crazy. It was crazy. Was everybody like kind of quiet or like were people like yes. cheering? Wow. People were mostly quiet. I think there were like a handful of pro-life people in the room who like, when I said it, they were all like, you know, like yeah. silently, yeah. like fist pumping in the back of the room. But like, yeah, it was, it was just so wild. I'll never forget it. It was crazy. What That's was the so response cool. in the room? So you said it was like a few pro-lifers, mainly, mainly pro-choice or pro-abortion. Yeah. We, we clarify here, not pro-choice, pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. So there's a mostly pro-abortioners. Yeah. What was the atmosphere like at the end? Cause you pretty much like beat them like you want. yeah yeah I mean I think I I think I can honestly say that I silenced this guy when it was all said and done and that's I think what their response was too is all these students who are super pro I, yeah I like that pro-abortion they um they were just like silenced and that's the thing is like you'll at least my experience has been that when you encounter people who are like so strong for the left and so strong for like the choice movement or whatever, you know, the abortion industry, mm-hmm. when they are encountered with an argument that they can't combat, they just either say nothing or they resort to like personal attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think in that one moment, like the Lord just gave me the grace that everyone was silenced. But like in the experience I had prior to that, it was personal attacks. So it was like attacks about my appearance, attacks, you know, calling me a white supremacist throwing things at me, like things that are personal that don't actually address the idea of whether or not abortion is right or wrong, but just like 
attack me as a person. Um, and like Mallory, you've been at these protests, mm-hmm. you know what it's like, like these people are crazy and very, mm-hmm. very violent, um, and really aggressive and they don't hold back ending the group that you're encountering at the time. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah my husband's own- in, sorry, Mal, my husband's in politics. So, oh, is he? Okay, yeah. It. So you, yeah. You yeah. I, like. we got some, this like, this Democrat candidate goes, my dog's cuter than your dog. And oh, that was geez. her only argument. I go, <laughs> hold my earrings. My, my firstborn child. <laughs> yeah. Like, and another place people can get really nasty is social media. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like when people don't have, like you said, when people don't have the argument, mm-hmm. they will resort to any and everything. Because the reality is, I think that um, people just aren't educated totally. so there are some pro-lifers as well that just aren't educated so they're encountering pro pro-aborts that aren't educated so they're having mm-hmm. these uneducated conversations and then they meet people who are educated and then they don't know what to say mm-hmm. which is why I think for example this is a good segue I think what you're doing is so important and I think like podcasts like this and like mm-hmm. you know other podcasts that talk about these things is so mm-hmm. important because the biggest problem I think that we are facing in this movement in this whole life um pro-life conservative mm-hmm. or pro-what mm-hmm. however whatever we want to call this anything is education people yeah. just really do not know because it's and true. I will say and I share the story all the time but I want to say it again so if your first time listening to this podcast will be your first time hearing the story. When I was in co- an undergrad, we were, I was having a conversation with these girls who are my acquaintance. Well, we were friends at the time. Now we like don't talk at all. But we're having a conversation about like one of them was like sleeping with her boyfriend mm-hmm. and what would happen if she got pregnant. And she just so callously, casually said that, oh, well, I just go get an abortion. And then he take me out to Italian afterwards. And everybody's just hee hee ha ha. And it was just so... It, it was this it made me feel icky I was like okay guys let's can we just change the topic like I didn't want to mm-hmm. talk about it anymore but my whole reason for saying this is like I think a lot of it comes from education like mm-hmm. I think people especially in our generation because it's been so glamorized think that it's just like going in to get a tooth yeah. removed you yeah. go under get tooth removed you wake up it might be a little sore but then you move on with your yeah. day you get You're Italian totally and then you enjoy your night but it really isn't that way it and we need to be educated. Totally. So with that being said, Mary Kate, tell us why you're even on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Mallory, you and I know each other from Students for Life. Um, I was in the pro-life movement for, I think about three and a, three, three and a half years full time. Um, I well, was in- can I ask real quick, how did yeah. you get into the pro-life movement? Yeah, for sure. It's oh, a great question. Gosh. I was in Republican politics prior to that. Um, I love politics. I went to school in Iowa and I went to school to be a journalist. And I, while I was a journalism student, I covered for the Daily Iowan, the Republican caucus in Iowa, which like if you are, you know, political at all, um, or if you follow politics at all, you might know that the Iowa caucus is just kind of like this epic historic event every couple of years. I guess it's every two or four years. Yeah, because I should know that in is Iowa. Four is Wait, it four? Well, I think it's four. For the president. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, every four years, that's basically how the president. That's like the 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 test run for all the presidential mm-hmm. candidates in a you know like when they're still in the nominee pool. Um, they like go out to Iowa and Wisconsin and some of the other swing states and they um, you know, like test run their campaign. And Iowa is important because the caucus is the first 
like primary slash caucus for the presidential like nomination process, basically. Um, so it's like a big deal to win the Iowa caucus, even though ironically, the person who wins the Iowa caucus is like almost never the actual candidate, which I think is kind of funny. Never, nevertheless, the process is important. Um, so I was doing that and was just like getting really into it. Like I just was like really enjoying it, really felt like I was learning a lot. Um, getting a lot of exposure to issues that I really cared about that I felt like were really important and, um, decided like, I don't want to be a journalist. Um, it's hard for me to be unbiased. I have too many opinions. I want to be in politics. And so I decided to pursue a political communications career. So I was on a couple of campaigns in Iowa. I worked for the Lieutenant governor. She's now the governor of the state, Kim Reynolds, Um, And then I came back to Illinois, where I'm originally from, and worked on a congressional campaign for a candidate who was super pro-life. And really through her campaign, started to pay really close attention to how the life issue affects politics. And I had always been pro-life. I'd been in the March for Life in in high school. Um, But this was really the first time that I like really for, as an adult was thinking for myself through the issue and also like kind of applying it to this political knowledge that I had gained over the last few years. Um, so really started paying close attention to that issue. I was back in the state of Illinois, not six months later, but governor Bruce Rauner, who was the Republican governor of Illinois in 2016, he was the, became the first Republican governor in U.S. history to initiate the taxpayer funding of abortion. So he signed a bill into law in Illinois that um, allocated taxpayer money to abortions through Medicaid. And he was and, a Republican? And he's a Republican. That's very interesting. So, yeah, it's like a funny story because he um, ran his whole campaign as like a moderate. So he was like, I'm a fiscal Republican, but socially I'm like a little more on the fence. And so he promised all the Republicans in the state to get me elected, but I won't touch social issues. Like we don't agree on social issues. So I just won't touch them, which the Republicans in the state of Illinois should have known better because his wife was on the board of Planned Parenthood in the state of Illinois at the time. So they should have known better. Or let me back up. I, if she wasn't on the board, she was like a supporter for sure. Like an outspoken supporter. People knew she supported Planned Parenthood in Illinois. So anyway, you know, flash forward, he signs this bill into law huge uproar. Half of his staff walks out of the office. They like quit day of the signing. Um, and I was just like, irate. I went to a rally actually funny enough, Mallory, you know, David Cordero, who's now the community yes. director at, um, students for life. He yes. was a regional coordinator for Illinois at the time. I went to a rally that he planned. This was the first day I ever met David in 2016. He planned this rally in downtown Chicago. I went, I was irate. I heard all these Illinois politicians speak. I met David and I was like, I have to be full-time in the pro-life movement. Like, <laughs> you know, how, wow, like we get, I we get it. so cocky. You're like, you're like, they need my skills. <laughs> no, no. I, <laughs> I was like, I have something to bring to the table here. So I I went home and applied for the executive director position at Illinois right to life thinking like executive director. Wow. Exactly. Like I didn't, I didn't like waste any time with anything else thinking like there's no way they'll hire me for this job unless they're desperate. And I guess they were desperate because they hired me. That's great. Yeah. It, praise God. You know, it, it was like such an answered prayer because I just didn't really know where like the Lord wanted me and he put me where he wanted me. 
you know, like, it's just, that's just, it's as simple as that, to be honest. Um, so that's how I ended up in the pro-life movement. So I was at Illinois right to life for about two and a half years. And then while I was at Illinois right to life, I met Kristen kind of got to know her, Kristen Hawkins, who's the president of students for life. And Kristen called me last May and asked me if I'd consider taking a job with students for life. And I, um, kind of hemmed and hawed over it. And she and I went back and forth over a few months. And then ultimately I decided to take the job. And so I was with students for life, not for very long, for about six months. Um, yeah. And then I think you and you and I met when you were go to squad, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah in DC. In yeah. DC, which was and so fun. So were you part of SCOTA squad? Um, no, I was like one of the staff that was kind of, yeah, I was like kind of around for SCOTA squad. Um, but in, I was in and out of DC a lot during that like, period, that Amy season. When, okay. So you remember Victoria and everybody listening, when we were talking about Melanie and I went to our very first like big rally thing Mm -hmm. and we were sitting waiting around for the rest of the students for life people. And Mary Kate was one of the people that came in with the bullhorn super loud and I, we were like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing now. This you is know, what it is. Kate, she's like super hardcore, y'all. <laughs> that was and like the craziest day. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, that was yeah. so crazy. And that was when the other autumn got punched. Yeah, that was yep. so crazy. That was a crazy day. Yeah. Wow. That was the first, you guys had just arrived like that afternoon, hadn't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I had been there the day before, two days before for something else. Okay. And then I left right, like literally I almost missed my flight. Mm -hmm. I left right after that. And then I came right back like three days later, just because like I was already going to be in DC. Mm -hmm. And then Steph called me. I was like, Hey, um, do you want to come to DC for these dates? And I was like, Oh, I'm already going to be in DC. So let me like think about it. And she's like, well, how about you just stay? And like, I couldn't pack for like, I like one day to pack for an entire like what six or seven weeks so I was like well I'm gonna go and come back so I ended up going and coming back um but yeah that was crazy yeah Mercury is amazing (laughs) thank you I mean you guys are all amazing I you know I did it for a couple weeks I don't know how you guys did it for what almost two months a month and a half yeah it was like a month and a half oh my gosh that was a long time for you guys to be in that itty bitty apartment yeah it was fun though like we got really close um it's really good yeah yeah. There could have easily been drama in that place. So it's nice that you guys I all know. got along and that it was Yeah, fun. I know. That's what we talked about. Like, how often do you get this many girls with mm-hmm. one bathroom and yeah. technically two beds to live together and not yeah. have all, like, a bunch of fights and stuff? So. Truly, yeah. But yeah, so anyway, so tell us about your organization. We're, like, chatting about protests. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I guess my experience in the pro-life movement was such that I was always left kind of frustrated that we, that I feel like we don't talk enough about, we don't challenge the left's narrative on quote unquote reproductive healthcare as much as I think we could and should. Mm -hmm. Um, So like Planned Parenthood, for example, NARAL, the ACLU, all of these leftist organizations out there are constantly touting this, like, as like, they're like touting this reproductive healthcare phrasing as though they have a monopoly on women's health. And not only is that false, it's like so contradictory to what women's healthcare actually should look like and what it needs to look like. Um, 
And I just find that like, I find that totally abhorrent. And I personally, I wish that the pro-life movement would do more to kind of speak into that. I think that we talk about it, but not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I was at Illinois Right to Life, there was a period of time that I really was trying to push us in a direction that we could talk a little bit more about like, well, what does women's healthcare actually look like? And why are some of these like tactics that, um, that doctors use to like put a bandaid on women's health issues? Um, you know, the artificial hormonal birth control pill being one of them, which I'll get to Mm -hmm. in a second. Why is it super anti-birth control here? Yeah. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why is it problematic that they, you know, try to stick that bandaid onto every issue? Like there's just so Mm -hmm. much that we could talk about. And I wanted to talk about those things at Illinois right to life. And it, it, at a certain point, our board president, I mean, God bless her. She's incredible at this work. And this is really passionate about these issues. But I think from her perspective, that just wasn't what our focus was. Our focus was talking about abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just really felt called to expand the conversation, you know, that like, we have to talk about the whole breadth of women's healthcare, not just this one single thing that that, you know, the left has convinced the culture mm-hmm. is a necessary health procedure. You know, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. So my sister, I woke up in the middle of the night in November at like 2 AM and was just like flooded with like, oh my gosh, this is what we need to do. Like, this is what this organization needs to look like. And I was like sleeping at my parents' house at the time. I'm, I live in the city of Chicago in West Loop. I was down in Joliet where my parents are from. I like ran down to their kitchen and I pulled out a pad of paper and I just started taking like crazy notes. And I literally got on my computer in that moment and like registered for articles of incorporation, um, wow. filed articles of incorporation with the state of Illinois. Cause it was just like such a moment of clarity that like, I was like, no, like we, ha- I have to do this right now. Like, even if it amounts to nothing, I have to do it right now. Like action. I have to take action right now. So I did it. Um, and then like woke up the next morning and I like told my sister, like my sister is also really passionate about this stuff. And I told her like that this is what I had done and all these things. And, um, so she was like, yeah, I'm on board. And she was like, actually, it's really funny that you bring this up because I've spent the last couple of weeks writing a curriculum. That's a Christian approach to teaching the woman's cycle and her, and like her whole biology of her fertility. So like, oh my God. I love this. Yeah. So it's much. amazing. My sister is incredible. She, yeah, she's amazing. So she basically wrote this curriculum and we're still kind of working on it. This is our big project for the summer. Um, but she wrote this curriculum that basically takes every phase of a woman's like biological fertility, basically. So like prepubescent, you know, pubescent, like going through puberty, fertile, pregnant, whatever, like the whole spectrum of her fertility. Um, and she basically put them within the context of different, like biblical and figure and like other female figures from church tradition. Um, and she basically said like, okay, we can look at like the mother of Mary, or we can look at Mary herself as the mother of Jesus, or we can look at like, you know, all these different, and she like laid out these different biblical figure figures who were experiencing this part of their fertility phases of fertility at this portion of their lives in the Bible. Um, and she like laid it all out. So it's, it's really incredible. I'm like so excited for it to come to fruition. We're hoping to have it done by the end of the summer, but Um, I called her the next day after I did all this and I had told her like, this is what I did. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Cause I've been doing, working on this curriculum. And we were like, okay, this is divine providence. Like the Lord is inspiring both of us at the same time. We have to make this into something. Um, so I was still with students for life at the time. And then come January, um, you know, I, I parted ways with students for life and 
I just was like, I have to go at this with everything I have. Like mm-hmm. it's now is the time it's now or never. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just, we launched in January. Um, I was able to raise enough money to get through about three months worth of work. So actually tomorrow is like the official release of our website that I've spent the last couple of weeks building. And we had an event last week that we like got a bunch of women together to take pictures, um, for the website. And yeah, it's, it's been awesome, but the whole purpose, sorry, I'm like rambling and spewing. No, this is all really good information. Okay, great. I'm so glad. Um, yeah. So the whole, the whole purpose of the organization, the name of the organization is Femine Vero, which in Latin means feminine truth. And it's all focused on education. So like you said, Mallory, like educating the public, educating women, educating girls specifically on what their bodies actually do, why this is miraculous, why it fits with the Christian teaching about human sexuality and all of these other things. Um, and then also like, um, why this matters for the culture, why it matters when we talk about abortion, why it matters when we talk about, you know, birth control, why it matters when we talk about all of these issues that have been deemed quote unquote political. Um, so education is the main piece. And then also we, um, are really focused on advocacy, um, but not necessarily in like the traditional sense, the way that we hear the word advocacy, like we really want to empower women to be advocates for themselves. So oh, I like, love that. The majority of encounters that a woman will have related to her health when it comes to an issue like this, if she's a conservative woman who's concerned with saving herself for marriage or not going on artificial hormonal birth control, or, you know, like the list goes on and on of things that a conservative Christian woman, uh, you know, the healthcare she might not want to receive or buy into. Um, our goal is to really empower those women to have those educated conversations with their doctors in a way that they can be confident and know what they're talking about and know what questions to ask. And also really have like that, yeah, that confidence to say to their doctor, I'm not buying what you're selling, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, that's really what we aim to do. So what does that look like? I mean, that I, there is a part of that there that I think we have a role to play in terms of educating elected officials because they are writing policy and they are impacting like what the federal government or state governments actually can pay for, which is important. Um, but there's also a piece in terms of like educating uh, medical professionals. There are a lot of doctors who, because this is the world they've been operating in for 20 years, they don't actually really know that the pill doesn't solve endometriosis, for example, or that it doesn't right. solve like some of these other health That's issues. PCOS, right? Yeah. PCOS. Yeah. Um, two separate things. And then separate separate things. Things. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole list. Like there is a yeah. whole list of things that And like, that's kind of the thing that's been interesting to me in learning about all of this, because my sister, so my sister is a fertility care practitioner. So she actually teaches charting methods. She teaches women how to chart their fertility cycle. Um, she's more of like the healthcare piece of this. I'm definitely the more political piece. And so I'm still like learning a lot of the, the scientific aspects of all of these things. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's amazing to me is that a lot of women who show up at Planned Parenthood and some of these other like abortion clinics actually show up there because they're having issues with their period. They're like having really painful periods or they're having like super excessive bleeding. Um, I went on the pill for acne. Yes, that is a big one. And I personally have been in an argument, like arguments with my dermatologist about the fact that I don't want to go on the Mm -hmm. pill for, yes, for acne. That is a really tough one. And 
Gosh, I mean, like this is so common, right? Like we have so yeah. many different aspects of healthcare as women that they're telling mm-hmm. us it's your hormones that are the problem. You need to just get your hormones under control, yep. you know? Um, and the pill is interesting because the pill, it's like a total, it's a total facade. It gives you this yep. impression that you have control, but really what you're doing is you're like stopping the very natural processes of your body that mm-hmm. are like indicators that things are actually working the way they're supposed to be working. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an incredible book called the fifth vital sign that basically makes the case for why the woman's period is her fifth vital sign. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. So really quick. Um, yeah. Victoria and I are reading this book by this lady. She's not her name's Alyssa Vitti. Have you okay. heard of her? I think I've heard, heard of her, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she wrote, wrote book, sorry. No, go ahead. What's the name? I was of gonna book? say she wrote the books uh Woman Code and okay. In the Flow. But Okay, she, I've heard of both of those. Yeah. Yeah, she was on the Boss Babe podcast okay. talking yeah. about like hormones and periods and all that. And mm-hmm. she was like, when you're on the pill and you're on the sugar, like your sugar week to have your period, that's not a real period. Yes, it's a syndicated period. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing because you did not ovulate that much. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly which, right. yeah. And so, I'm just really glad we're talking about this now because we're both, well, we're both reading the book, well, skimming the book. We're yeah. trying to work on getting our yeah. hormones. Like you were saying, like, it's not necessarily, like, we don't, this is what our body's designed to do. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason for us to fight it. It's very natural. Like, yeah. we need to work with it and yeah totally. you're not educated enough about it that's why I'm so glad that um you guys are doing this because mm-hmm. I mean even in the book just some of the things and like I said I don't even think she's a Christian um I mean she's made a few Christians to me because everything's so polarized she's, now I think yeah she she's more great. left totally some of the things she says yeah. is definitely more left but her big philosophy is she's like there's no reason for women to be miserable when they're on their period there's no reason for women mm-hmm. to have major cramps and feel yeah. sick it's because we're not treating our bodies the way we're supposed to be treating them like yeah. during the wherever you are in your cycle like you're supposed to be doing like this types of workouts eat certain types of foods based on where you're on your yes. cycle. That's one of my favorite discoveries with all of this. It is fascinating. So I yeah. just was told by somebody recently that the US USA women's soccer team actually figured this out that like if they train based on she their cycle. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Like biohacking wow. with your cycle. Like right now yeah. um I'm on my period. So I've been kind of napping, kind of laying low, not doing too crazy heavy workouts. Yeah. But when I think I always do the ovulation period. It's either the one like right, the period right before ovulation or ovulation. Mm -hmm. But that's when like you're the most creative, you have the most energy. Mm -hmm. That's when you're supposed to be kind of like- That's the one I'm in right now. Yeah, so that's when you're kind of like brainstorming Mm -hmm. and like you're motivated to get stuff done. That's when you should be doing high intensity workouts, stuff like that. And we don't talk about these things. Totally. We don't have no idea. Like no idea. I remember the first time I ever sat through my sister's, um, my sister has like a presentation she gives on the woman's cycle to like intro people to charting and what that means. And the first time I sat through it, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You totally should. She's so smart. And she's also a NICU nurse. So she also has all this experience with the baby's side of it too. Yeah. She's she's a pro. Um, but I was like jaw on the floor when she, when I sat through her intro session, the first time, this was probably in like 2016. I remember watching it and like literally thinking like, how has no one ever told me this before? Like I'm 28 years old. So I was 23, 24 at the time. How has no one told me 
that this is what my body does. Like I'm 25 years old. You know what I mean? It's it's just crazy to me. It's crazy. So I'm Catholic and it Mm -hmm. was, um, when my husband and I, we got married in the Catholic church. And so part of the whole process of like premarital stuff is learning Mm -hmm. how to have sex and not get pregnant Yeah, because the church doesn't believe in birth control, but I was Mm -hmm. on it for my face. Mm-hmm. but um face. it was really interesting as I'm like when like in high school like we were not taught our mm-hmm. cycles we were taught no. okay you don't want to have a baby then don't have sex exactly if you want to have sex but don't want to have the baby go on birth control use condoms all this stuff yep. and I think that's why we do have these like pregnancy like teenage pregnancy a lot of the time is because when if you're one minute off the pill Mm -hmm. then your percentage goes from like 99 to like six yes really yeah yes and we're not taught that's like okay if you track your cycle because when you're on the pill you can't track your cycle you don't have one Mm -hmm. so you don't know when you're ovulating and when you're ovulating is when you can get pregnant so you know not to really have sex when you're ovulating yep but we're not taught that the thing that is so sinister to me about the pill. And again, this is me. I'm, I'm Catholic as well. Like the thing that's so sinister to me is that basically what the pill does is it tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant. So like you might bleed, but your body thinks that you're pregnant and that's why you're not ovulating. So my body dose of estrogen. Yeah. Yeah. So my body thought I was in menopause. So I gained okay, that 40, I never yeah. had issues gaining weight. I gained 40 pounds in two years when I was on the pill. Yeah. Because my body thought I was in menopause. So it was saving like fat cells and all this stuff. That's so interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? And yeah, gosh, I could go on and on. It's just it's yeah. me that we've been tricked into thinking that the pill is good for women. Like, do you have you guys heard this story of like, okay, so when they started, when they first were inventing the pill, they ran tests on, they were, they were doing two at the same time. They were doing a male hormonal birth control pill and they were doing a female hormonal birth control pill. And they were running tests at the same time. Three women died during their testing of the female birth control pill. And the men experienced, sorry to like use this phrasing, the men you experienced shrinkage and they were like, oh, hell no, we, this isn't going to work. We can't use, we can't do this. Can't have this pill. But then the women, That's they were crazy. like, oh, we'll just lower the dosage. The women will be fine. And God. it's just, it's amazing to me because I feel like you get these leftist feminists who are like, oh, all the patriarchy, blah, blah, blah. All of these men are just out to take our rights. But the reality is the movement of people who created the hormonal birth control pill were so, so interested, had so much interest in leveraging women for the Mm -hmm. purpose of preventing pregnancy, that they're literally risking women's lives. Like to the extent that they knew that women could die from this pill, but they were willing to say, oh, we'll just lower the dosage. And then men, it's like, like you're telling me that we're the misogynists here when we're the ones who've been saying all along, this was a bad idea. I just think that's incredible. Like the cognitive dissonance is amazing. So when the Johnson Johnson vaccine, I think I saw this stat. So they're like, oh, it's like, like six people out of like the 7 million or whatever had blood clots. Mm. And then there's a stat saying that with birth control, one out of 1,000 women get blood clots that are on birth control. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? That's 
But and- we pulled but we pulled a COVID vaccine off the market because six women got it, but we haven't pulled birth control off the market when one in one thousand get it. Get it. Isn't that amazing? That's so crazy. And I like honestly reading this book, hearing our conversation, it really makes me want to shout to the rooftops because I think the biggest women or like women's problem is we are not educated about this stuff and we don't know okay. about our bodies. One thing that um Alyssa said on I listened to her like on three podcasts and I was like, oh my goodness, I've never heard need to hear more. I'm obsessed. Um, I'm in the Facebook group and everything now. And There's one a thing Facebook that, group? Yes, you should join the okay, Facebook so group. Okay, so I told Mal about this back in like December, yeah. January. <laughs> and she finally listened to the podcast like last yeah. week. It was last week. And, and then I, bought the book. I love it. Yeah, and I bought the book like the day, the next day. Because I, I just, I really want to do better like with my health. And I think it's so mm-hmm. important, you know, as my mom yeah. always, I'm in my birthing years. So I want to make sure that, yeah, she says mom's up. And I want to make sure that I'm like doing all the right things and I'm being yeah. healthy. And like, I had never heard any of the stuff and yeah. it makes so much sense so it much sense so much sense yeah. but anyway one of the things she said in the in like all the podcasts she was talked about like our language that we use to even mm-hmm. talk about like our periods like mm-hmm. and even the way I just said it now like I was about to say periods because like it's, you know you like, want to whisper it yeah yeah exactly and we shouldn't bleeding. even be talking about it that way yeah. or like we shouldn't talk about it as like oh my god this thing I've had for like over 10 years I can't say we should be like oh yeah I'm having my cycle like it's a like you were saying with the fifth vital sign because that's what she was saying in the podcast so she said it's the fifth vital sign it's like this is a good thing like you should be having your period like it should be regular you should be doing so even changing our language on how we talk about these things I think and I just that's why I really I really want to start like not whispering period or like yeah. I have to get a pad like I don't want to I, I want to stop that <laughs> yeah so I, badly. Like, I remember when I used to be in work I'd be like <laughs> hey I started my period did any of you guys have pads Yes. But I'm like, you know what? F this. I remember I think I had like a <laughs> migraine or cramps or something. I told my male boss, I go, hey, like, I'm not feeling well. I just started my period. Do you mind if I go home? And it freaked, them, it freaked them out. Oh, I, I remember in high school. Just like, okay. Yeah. In, in high school, all you had to say was like, oh, um, something, something, period. They'd be like, okay, okay, okay go, do whatever you want. Yeah, they're like afraid. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. And I'm so glad that you guys said this because I feel really passionate about this piece of it too. Like there's a lot of debate. There are a lot of like fertility awareness organizations popping up right now. And there's a lot of debate over like, okay, as Christians, should we be like making these secular organizations? Because we don't want people to be tripped up by the fact that it's like a Christian thing. Like this is the truth no matter what. And like, we don't want to bring the whole Christ thing into it. You know, that's not my phrasing. That's other people's phrasing. And that has been a real struggle for me because I feel like, no, like at the end of the day, that's why I am in this work. Not because I want to convince people that abortion is bad, but because like, I believe in the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And at the end of the day, like I want to win souls for heaven, you know? And so like what the, what you're saying is totally true and correct. Like we should be able to speak freely about periods and the fact that we feel shame about that. Like we feel like we're in, it's embarrassing to talk about it or like we can't speak about it in front of men. Um, well, even not even that, but being like, even like the sex part, like my mom didn't talk to me about sex. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize like 
sex isn't just meant to have babies that makes totally, sense totally. until yeah. I was married yes and it's like we're not talking about like why is it okay for a man to have pleasure with sex but it's not okay for women to have it yeah and why does the left have to take that narrative away from us too I completely agree with you and I think that and here's the piece that I think we have to there's a balance, right? Because Mm -hmm. like, we know what it looks like when we're going out. I mean, the left does this too. They're like, let's just shout from the rooftops all about our sexual lives. And like, that's not really the answer either, you know? Well, that's not what I meant at all. I'm just saying like, why isn't it natural? Like, I want to do better when I have a daughter saying, Mm -hmm. look, like you should wait till marriage. It's worth it. But you also like, you need, and Cause I will say like, I feel not sh- like, and, and I think like Amber filler up, who's an influencer, who's mm-hmm. Mormon just talked about this on her blog, but mm-hmm. she's like, I'm trying to do better at looking at sex in a positive way because mm-hmm. my parents, my family, my church always made it look like a negative, like no, right. no, no type thing. Right. Yeah. And I want to make sure like my daughter knows sex is a wonderful thing between a man and a wife. It's a wonderful experience mm-hmm. and not like, Oh, like hush, hush, you know? Well, and so, yes, my, I I'm with you 100%. And to answer to that, what I would say is the, the word here that I think we need to use more often than we do is that sex is worthy of our reverence. So Ooh, like, like when we, so when that's going to be a quote, go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. So like when we, so for example, when we're talking about women, when we're talking about women and we're talking about periods and we're talking about like, it's like the whole like free the nipple movement, right? Like there's this natural inclination in us as women to cover ourselves to like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, and that's why this whole modesty conversation is so controversial. Like we all have, I think that inclination to like cover ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason for that in large part is because women are sort of like the beholders of mystery, right? So like the Lord God is mysterious in his nature. There are things about God we will never understand. And men, man and woman are complementary of one another. Man reflects parts of God that only man can reflect. Women uh, complement and reflect parts of God that only women can reflect. And one of the aspects of God that women reflect is their is mysteries. That's why, like, you look at the woman's body versus a man's body, for example, the men wear their sexual parts outside of their bodies. Mm. Women, our sexual parts are inside of our bodies. They're hidden. They're like, so there's this mystery there. And so when men gaze upon women, there's like a sense of mystery of like, not like they almost can't fathom the beauty there, you know, like that's what that is like. Um, and so I think when we talk about modesty, when we talk about sex, you're totally right. Like I had a mom, praise God, who sat me down when I got my period and said, this is what sex is. Sex is really special. You only have sex with your husband. You don't have sex with anyone else. And I'm 28 years old and I'm a virgin for that reason. And good for you. Yes. And I give full credit to my mother for that. And that's the way that we have to talk about this is not with shame, not with hiding, but with acknowledgement of the mystery of woman, which is women are the beholders of mystery. And we reflect the mystery of the Lord. But then also um, there, there has to be reverence. Like 
sex is an intimate act between two people. And who, who do they share that with? They share that with each other and they share that with God. Only God and the two people involved should behold what happens during sex. And so and, that, oh, this is so yeah, good. it's, it's, it's reverence. It's about reverence. I, that's the way that I see it. And so Mallory, like, I'm so with, the, I'm so with both of you, um, that like, we, we have to have reverence, but we also have to be willing to say these things without shame because they are truth. Like, this is the truth. We are reflective mm-hmm. of the Lord, you know? Yeah. So how yeah. do we, and I, I don't know if you know this an- like answer, or you have an opinion, sure. like I was taught like, like, from like the look of like I always thought was like okay sex is to reproduce how do we look at sex that's not meant to be reproduced just like have sex between like a man and a wife just to have sex like how do we look that as like a positive thing in God's eye does that make sense like I always looked at sex as like okay yeah but kind of like I guess like I always feel like the purpose that God had for sex was to reproduce Mm -hmm. How does God look at sex when you're not trying to reproduce yet? You know, does that make sense? Amazing. So the really remarkable thing, it's incredible how pop culture gets some of this stuff right, but they like kind of mess it up in the process. So like people, like I always think of like, okay, uh, what's his face? Um, One of the Jonas brothers, Nick Jonas, he just came out with a an album that he has a song about like heaven. And it's basically like him and this girl are in a relationship and it's heaven to him. And that is that, like, that is the ecstasy of sex is like, it Mm. feels like heaven. And the whole idea there, like man and woman, their relationship is reflective of the love that God has for us. Like if a, if a man and woman are married and experiencing like sex together in a married relationship that is consecrated by the Lord and is without contraceptives. Like they're experiencing a totally free expression of love that can only be experienced in, in the Lord in relationship with God. And it's, it's supposed to be reflective of the, the love that the Lord, that the father has for us, that the Lord has for us. And so the idea is that like this ecstasy that we experience in sex, like is the closest thing that we can get on earth to what it feels like to be in heaven with God. Like, and I wow. know that sounds crazy. I know it sounds mm, almost that's beautiful, perverse, but that's, that's what it is. And so that's why, like, as human beings, we naturally draw this analogy between sex and heaven, because that is actually the way that the Lord intended it. He actually intended for that to feel that way. And so like, so yes, it's true that sex is meant for procreation, but it's also meant for unity. Um, it's also meant to unite husband and wife as one soul. And again, so they're, they're complementary of, of each other as mm-hmm. sexual human beings. Um, their souls are also gendered. So the female soul is different from the male soul and they're complementary of each other in that way as well. And when they come together in sex, it's like this reflection. It's, it's the love of the father. It's the love of Jesus Christ, how he feels for his bride, the church. Um, and so that's, it's, it's so hard to like fathom and comprehend. Sorry. It's like getting darker and darker in my room. <laughs> yeah. Like, I wasn't going to say anything, but I was like, in the um, dark. Yeah. I think the sun went down. I know. <laughs> I can turn a light on in a second. I'm like, so know what I'm saying though. It's you guys like, it's so, it's so incredible. Um, John Paul II, Pope John Paul II wrote the theology of the body over like a period of years. He, I've heard of that. It's amazing like he so he basically in the catholic church the pope every wednesday if he's in rome 
will go out into St. Peter's Square and he'll deliver a Wednesday audience, which is basically like a sermon on the day's readings. And he'll deliver it to whoever shows up and has a ticket, basically. So you don't have to pay for the tickets. They're free. You just have to show up and get one, basically. Um, but you, you know, you go into St. Peter's Square on Wednesday at whatever time, like 2 p.m. or something, and people will wait, wait for hours to be close to the front. And he'll come out and he'll do the readings and he'll give his sermon, his Wednesday audience. And so over a period of like, gosh, I think it was almost a decade, um, John Paul II, every day or I'm sorry, every Wednesday gave a sermon that connected to his past, to his previous sermon, to his previous Wednesday audience about human sexuality. So Mm -hmm. there's a book this thick. I have it actually. I wish it was, oh, it's right here. It's this. So this is it. It's, it's this thick. It's like the size of the Bible. And it's John Paul II, man and woman, he created them. And it's all, it's the theology of the body is what it's called. It's all about why the human body is reflective of the love of God, the father and the love mm. of Jesus Christ and his wow. bride, the church. It's incredible stuff. It's absolutely incredible. And for me, as someone who has worked in the pro-life movement to bring this full circle, when I, I've worked in the pro-life movement and I've worked in politics, when I read this book and I think about all of the things that the Lord meant for our sexuality, and then I go out into the world and I try to do my job and I see how we're aborting babies and we're abusing women's bodies with the BS healthcare that we're, that we're giving them. And we're lying to them, lying to men, you know, feeding men pornography online, Mm -hmm. lying to them about who they, who they are and what they were made for lying to women about who they are and what they were made for. I just feel like this is why feminine Vero exists because women specifically have to know what the truth is about who they are and what they were made for. And women were, the answer is no, they were not just made to be mothers, but our fertility means that the Lord wants us to participate in creation with him. And that can look like so many things. It can look like motherhood. It can look like giving birth, but it can also look like the two of you creating this podcast, you know, like that's the Lord inviting you into creation with him. That's the feminine genius at work. And that's what I'm trying to promote. Wow. Oh my gosh. I want you to talk at every (laughs) high school and every college in the United States. Give me your GoFundMe. I don't have much money, but I can share a link. Mal's giving you everything she has. Everything I have. No, seriously, because I'm just thinking about like, I feel like if we, I think the biggest problem with um, sex ed, so, you know, I've said this in podcasts before, I never had a sex ed, uh, the high school. So I went to Christian school my entire life. I went to elementary Right. So we, I thought we both got the exact opposite ends of it. And I think that is the biggest issue with it. We don't talk, like if we can come at it from the perspective of like, it's something beautiful instead of just don't do it, then I think it'll change people's mind. Like girls will be in certain situations or like they won't even put themselves in situations because they understand Mm -hmm. how beautiful and how important this act is how it's reverence also to understanding your bodies like if I feel like if women understood because also too I like what you were saying earlier about having the balance and that's something I'm working on like so I do want to learn more read more about it but also I don't want to start reading books where it talks about how we women were gods the universe starts in us like that's yep. too much I just yep. just tell me like how I need to work on my body to like make yep. sure everything's working properly so yep. we have to find this balance and I don't Definitely. and um if girls 
understood that balance, understood how like important their bodies were important, how like we are like the thing, the truth is we only women, no matter what anybody, mm-hmm. only women can give birth. That is yeah. the only, and if you're, doesn't make you less of a woman if you can, or if you don't, but like, it's a woman only type thing. Mm-hmm. So if, girls understood that I really think that would change some minds people wouldn't even put themselves in situations like if they just understood that little piece but we just don't talk about it that way we either in the Christian community and I'll you know I'll be frank like I've spent my entire life in the Christian community um we either don't talk about it like there's definitely different sects of Christianity where like like I said like the elementary slash middle school I went to like if you said the word sex you could get a pink slip which was to go to discipline which was a spanking so like mm-hmm. you could get in all this trouble for just saying the word so interesting yeah yeah it, that's we can do a whole podcast on that <laughs> um unpacking all yeah. of that yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious yeah. real quick like do you think if we normalize sex and not made it look like such like a bad thing and normalize like fertility and periods and yeah. all that in the church and in Christianity mm-hmm. do you think our generation or the generations behind us will wait until marriage yeah it's I a, think so I, I think they opinion. would yeah it's it's a it's a really great great question and it's one that I think the fertility um industry like the fertility awareness uh sector has kind of explored um so Dr. Thomas Hilgers is a doctor out of Omaha Nebraska who like is kind of the founder of Napro technology. He's kind of, I, I think this is correct. I'm saying this correctly. He's like the founder of the Creighton method, which is one of the methods of tra- of charting um, of NFP mm. is what we call it in the Catholic church. And yep. um, so Dr. Hilgers, um, I think invented this in like the eighties. I'm probably butchering some of these facts, but the thing that's really interesting is that since then he has really had a tight grip on teaching that and its materials. And there have been a lot of groups who have come in and said, we want to teach this to teenage girls. We want to equip them so that they know what their bodies are all about, what they were made for. And um, my understanding is that Dr. Hilgers has had some apprehension there because he doesn't want his method, the Creighton method to be used as birth control. So he doesn't want teenage girls to have sex outside of marriage and use that as their birth control. Um, but the thing that's really interesting about it, and, and, and I understand where he's coming from, um, but I think that we have to have, my, my philosophy is we have to have faith in truth and we have to have faith in God that if we equip people with the truth, that the Lord will give them the grace to do the right thing with it. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that's been really interesting is I was talking to someone just about two weeks ago who told me that um, they have found that, I think it's St. Augustine who said, grace builds on nature, that if you behave in the way that is consistent with natural order, um, with the way that the Lord ordered things that grace builds on that so that your natural inclination to grace, um, builds on that. So what they have found is the answer to your question is yes, that teenagers who learn charting and learn about how to observe, um, a woman's fertility and where she's at in her cycle, that they actually do avoid having sex because they know um, there's just like this natural awe at the woman's body. And they know that this is something worth protecting. And so I I think that that's amazing. Like we should be shouting this information from the Mm -hmm. rooftops and should not be so afraid of like, you know, telling the world the truth about our sexuality. I just think that's incredible. 
How yeah. do we teach our boys and men about, about our periods say. and yeah. fertility? Because, mm-hmm. like, honestly, like, I mean, my husband has no idea what I go through my time of month. He thinks it's like yeah. just like a straight like the flow period, like a like a peeing or something. His blood coming out, like he doesn't quite understand. <laughs> I how was it reading works. what's going on. I was <laughs> like, reading something, and uh, it was said that someone's brother thought that they could turn it on and off. Yeah, like they could just one day be like, "Oh, oh I'm not here." It's like a yeah. faucet. Yeah, yeah, it's like a faucet. <laughs> yeah. How, what are men's role in this? And I like, mean, I, I, I have like, yeah, and like, I've tried explaining men? to my husband, and I was mm-hmm. like, he just doesn't want anything of it. Yeah, yeah. It, that's that is it's a great question. Um, so my sister, I can tell you that my sister, when she teaches this to couples, she has taught Creighton Method to a handful of couples who are preparing for marriage. And what she really encourages them to do is she actually encourages, okay, the woman will make the observation of like cervical mucus, for example, but the the man will actually be the one to record it on paper. And the idea here is that the woman, the man is being, is participating in like this charting process Um, without and he does do that like he yeah. like I I'd be like okay this is where I am on my cycle like he gets that that's part. awesome it's just he just doesn't get like how a period works and honestly the thing is like we can share that with them I think the reality is that he might not ever fully understand that and that's yeah. again like it goes back to that that mystery that I described before that there is this mystery oh, this natural yeah. mystery about women and I think that's something really special right like that's something mm-hmm. that's so special that we have this like mystery about us that men will just like never quite grasp what it is. We I'm saying that very creepily as I have this like light flashing. In my <laughs> so I think that's really special and really cool um, that that's the case. I mean, of course, like I've had that same like wrestling in my own mind with my boyfriend of like you know, like a couple of weeks ago, I had like a bad week and it was for sure because I was on my period. And I was like, how do I explain this to him in a way that's like modest and like not gross, but also like kind of clues him into what's going on. And I feel like men have to kind of encourage each other in that regard to, uh, yeah, be, to be open that to that, you know, like, I mean, praise God, like my boyfriend is very receptive and he obviously knows what I do and what that I'm passionate about all this stuff. So he's really willing to listen, but there are a lot of men who are like grossed out and that's a choice. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. men have to be encouraged by other men to come to understand some of these things because it is really important and they might have daughters one day, you know? Yeah. I agree. I'm in a Christian Facebook group. It's so funny. We're talking about this because the topic today that someone posted was like, period, should we be talking about them in front of guys or like, guys, mm-hmm. how do you feel about it? And then like some of the guy, like one guy was like, I don't think it should be talked about at all. It's this woman's business. Uh, and he gave this, like, actually it was kind of a sad story about how this girl, um, ghosted him because she was on her period and you know all this other stuff and there was this one guy who was like no I find this things very fascinating I'm going to have a daughter one day Mm -hmm. I want to know what is going on with her and I want to help my wife in any way so I do and like he was talking and then he started like messaging or like um commenting under the other guys trying Mm -hmm. to get him to understand like hey no I mean you don't have to know the full capacity of everything but it should Mm -hmm. you should want to be at least interested in it and I like how you were saying like the husband helps record it because I do think something like this Mm -hmm. should be a 
not a group effort that doesn't sound right it should be I mean you're you're doing it together I guess it is a group effort like it should be something that you do together because I mean it is a uniquely woman thing Mm -hmm. but something that's beautiful comes Mm -hmm. out of it and it will only work if you guys are doing it together I guess is what I'm trying to say like from the beginning of the from the beginning to the end really because I mean in my head I'm I'm not married but I'm thinking like marriage is an all the time everyday thing so like intimacy is an all the time everyday thing I said that's another form of like going through with it yep yeah yeah I think it's it it helps um in like it contributes to the woman not being the gatekeeper based on her period you know like oh, if yeah. they're trying not to get pregnant and the woman knows she's on her period but like it's I think it puts her in a position of like gatekeeper of sex um mm. that she's like I'm beho- like I'm responsible for saying yes or no whether we do or don't and so it kind of removes that burden a little bit and makes the man a little bit more responsible. Like she tells him what the observation is. And then he has to sort of make the determination of, okay, we, because this is where she's at in her cycle, we either can or can't, you know, and it kind of involves him in a way that it would otherwise feel more like she's saying yes or no, you know, which is a funny thing in our culture today that like, women should totally be okay. Like that should be okay for them to say yes or no. And I'm not saying that that shouldn't be okay. Um, but it's like you said, it's a partnership, right? Like, and when Mm -hmm. you marry someone, the reality is that, you know, the wife's body belongs to her husband and the husband's body belongs to her wife. And Mm -hmm. of course there's reverence and respect that comes with that. But like, it is helpful. I think when the man is involved in that, in thinking through, like, you know, are we, are we abstaining today or are we not yeah because I will say like my husband's very much like like be like hey like where are you in your cycle Mm -hmm. before we even talk about having sex Mm -hmm. be like okay where where are you in your cycle like I know you're bleeding last week where are you this week Mm -hmm. are you about to ovulate like he yeah he has like I have like we've talked about it enough Mm -hmm. to where like he does ask those questions like I keep track of mine on my app Mm-hmm. So like I have an app that tells me like, and it's actually the Alyssa VD who we talked about in my, um, she has her own app that tells me exactly where I am in my cycle, what mm-hmm. symptoms I should be experiencing, stuff like that. Yep. And so, um, but if you're actually having sex, shouldn't you be doing the little thermometer thing? Isn't that a thing? A thermometer? Is that a? Yeah, there's, yep. There's numerous types of methods. So like some methods require, are, are just about cervical mucus. So it's just about observing the consistency of the cervical mucus on a daily basis, but then there are other methods that are cervical mucus and like body temperature. Mm -hmm. Um, so there, so some involve like a thermometer and not all, but so it just, it honestly depends on the method that you prefer. Um, I think some are just a little more reliable than others, but yeah, you're correct. Like there's a, uh, tempo thermal, I think is what it's called. Um, method for sure. Yeah, I roomed with someone who was doing that once. And oh, really? She was like, not to freak you out, I'm going to have a thermometer in here and you probably don't want to touch it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, continue. <laughs> but yeah, you were saying the app, you guys use the app. That- oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was all. Oh, that was it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you, I was just, I don't know. I was just thinking like if I was actually having sex, I, in my head, I'm thinking, within marriage yeah that might be something we should probably look into 
Yeah. Not to like, yeah, I just I was thinking that would be because I'd be, I don't know. I'd want to be really on top of it. Mm-hmm. But then again, I also want like 18 kids. So I probably won't be doing that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exaggerating. Maybe not 18. <laughs> but mm-hmm. anyway, um, any other questions? <laughs> Did Anybody we talk have? enough about your organization? I know we oh, talked yeah, a lot. Oh yeah, this is so great. This is okay. so fun. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? Okay. This was, yeah, this was awesome. Uh, it was okay. such great. good information. Oh, I, I remember, Mal, you sent me a book today actually about this. Oh yeah, um, I did. It was in the what? same period conversation. Yeah, it goes um, a brief the- theology of periods. Yes, really, by Rachel Jones. Have you read that? Wow, I haven't read that, but it sounds like I should read it. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's the theology of periods. Okay, uh, very interesting. I think Wait, it came no. out like last week. I think that's what the person was saying. In the uh, book. Oh wow! Yeah, it's like it right off oh the my. presses yeah here's the back of the cover because what does the bible say about periods the average woman has 500 periods in her lifetime oh my god and whether yours are mildly <laughs> annoying utterly deliberating or emotionally complicated most of us have at one time or another asked why hmm. this warm light-hearted real honest and at times surprising book gives a biblical perspective on menstruation as well as a whole lot more beginning of periods, Rachel Jones takes readers on an adventure in theology, weaving together wide-ranging reflections on the nature of our bodies, the passing of time, the purpose of pain, and the meaning of life. One thing for sure, you'll never read a Christian book quite like this one. Yeah, I doubt I will <laughs> ever read something like that. But I mean, it does sound interesting. I need to finish the other ones, but I mean, all of this stuff, and I guess just to wrap it up, all of this stuff is so important. Mm-hmm. And I do want to go back to the whole balancing again, because I mean, I was just having this conversation with my mom she's talking about like the season I'm in and it's really hard to find, like right now I'm single and I'm like in my career or whatever. And it's hard to find books or like any podcast or anything that's like encouraging to like okay this is your time like be with the lord without either being like and then this is how you manifest the life that you want yes. and this is how you're going to get your dream car and you use right? these stones and right you yeah. use these stones and then you pray at the moon is about it's hard <laughs> to find stuff that isn't like that or like totally. a book that's like um and nothing wrong with this but where I am in my life I don't really want to read anything like this but it's like yeah and then this is the six steps to when you're a Boaz you know it's hard to find that balance yeah like um (laughs) I feel like it gets the same way with these Mm -hmm. type of things so I really do like what you're doing and the Christian aspect and I want to also speak a little bit about um you said you were going back and forth about whether it should be like overly Christian, I guess Mm -hmm. I will say we got a a review that honestly, I look at almost every day. And it was like the person that I don't screensaver yet. It practically is my screensaver. (laughs) Um, But they said they're not even a Christian conservative, but they enjoy the podcast because they just like our perspective and they don't a a lot. They say they don't identify as a Christian conservative, but they do align with some of our values. And I think that's really important. If you stick with like, you know, I'm not telling you how to run your organization, but I do (laughs) think it's important. And I Mm -hmm. like that you guys have the Christian aspect of it, because Mm -hmm. like you said, it is the truth. Mm -hmm. And I really do think people are going to be um, drawn to that. Like totally, whether it's like, obviously there's going to be those people who are going to always 
be um what is it a retrograde mind there's always gonna be yeah. those people but there are gonna be people who just really are like i need this information because we yeah. do like everyone needs this information they and don't teach I want... this in schools no totally. i i mean i was never help like mm-hmm. i was never taught to track my period in school so it's either don't have no. sex yeah. or go on birth control Same. yeah yeah Same. Yeah, we are not taught this stuff. And it's so important. And whether you're a Christian, whether you're conservative, you need to hear this information yeah. mm-hmm. because it's not even and um another thing, and this is just me going on a tangent, and then I'm gonna come right back. But another thing I always um talk with my friend, and I also I want to start off like I'm not perfect, like you know, I'm not a, a super saint person, but like part of the reason why you do wait for marriage is yes to honor god but also too like all of the quote-unquote rules god has for us are things that are like actually beneficial like the reality is like stds in our generation are ridiculously high Mm -hmm. like it's like one in three people have herpes it's just it's ridiculously high yeah so all of these like quote-unquote rules all of these like um taking care of your but all that stuff is all for our benefit so like mm-hmm. you don't even have to be religious to want to you know what let me protect my my body let me like yeah not abstain for me like you don't have to even be religious to think that way because i, I totally. mean it's when i think about like dating and when i get really excited i'm like oh gosh this thing's a, a mess like so you don't have like there are so many um reasons to need this information to use mm-hmm. this information to um so yeah that that was just my last two cents do you guys have any yep. last two cents <laughs> no I oh, love this, this. Awesome. Okay. I love like I love this because I will say like growing up it was very much like sex was bad evil don't do it until you're married it wasn't mm-hmm. ever looked at in a positive light for me mm-hmm. yeah and so that's I really like what you said about how describing how like it's god's love and like yeah. like that moment in sex is all, like a little piece of heaven mm-hmm. yeah and the I reverence. That, yeah i liked the way you said that that was mm-hmm. you know honestly that was mm-hmm. kind of sappy but i loved it like it was really <laughs> like i liked it i really do like no seriously and i think that's and people that are listening that like sappy like that this is yeah also too is a truth like it's not it like you're truth. it's not like a movie that we're watching this is the absolute truth so yeah. honestly i would love to have you back on talk more in depth awesome. about Ooh. any like what you should read the book we're reading and then okay. come back on and discuss it from your oh, perspective sweet. oh yes actually I that would be that. great Okay, will you guys because... send me the link? I feel like one of the, I feel like I actually started in the flow. Is that what it's called in the flow? Yeah, yeah I, think the I, flow. I think I actually yeah. started that book like on my phone on a flight once. So I actually I can go back and finish it. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be yeah. really good, especially because like I said, I don't think she's a Christian, but she's mm-hmm. made like tiny comments here and there. Where I'm like, hmm, that sounds kind of she's very anti birth control. Completely. Yeah. She's- very anti-birth control and she, she looks at it as like the feminist movement that we should get away from birth control yeah, yeah. and as that's a feeling so you don't hear that from the feminist so that's what i'm saying like no, i feel like no. there's tiny things here and there where i'm like hmm, mm-hmm. i wonder if she's she made the comment yeah. too the last thing we should definitely wrap up but she <laughs> made the comment um she said our period it was like the original not the original sin it was like she referenced anyway you can tell she was talking about how eve like it's part so like mm-hmm. it's part of the fall she said something yeah. like that oh and i was like oh interesting she that, so something she like that yeah so i'm like i wonder if that's she's a true that like, she's just- our period and also childbirth is a result of original sin 
Yeah. 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 So thank you, Eve. But it's yeah. okay because we are learning <laughs> mm-hmm. how to work with it and how Amen. God has made us beautiful and unique. Um, Amen. Just the way well, you are. Yes. Um, Thanks everybody so much for listening. This has been a great episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, If you... Are we still getting to the billboard? Is that still up? Um, I think by the time this is out, it won't be. Also too, it's like past 4,000. So yeah, we we need to get a new donation this month. But... You can um, it to us. We have more of these amazing conversations. Exactly. And like one day we can be able to like... Mary Kate's foundation. Uh, real quick, where can people, what's going to be the website? Because oh, yeah. it's a yeah. little up by the, the website. website's up. Where can people donate? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. You can donate on the website, feminavero.org, F-E-M-I-N-A-E, Vero, V-E-R-O.org. And, and we'll have- You can donate there. Yep. All of our info's there. Yeah. Yep. And so. we'll have that in the show notes, the website. Oh, the Instagram. The Instagram. And do you care if people follow you too on Instagram? Do you yeah, you? yeah. Mary Kate Nor K N O R R is my last name. You can follow me on Instagram, and then our Instagram is just Feminine Bureau. Is our Instagram handle? Awesome, awesome, perfect. So All right, nice. this is so fun. Yeah, thank you so much again. We really yeah. appreciate it. And, and I know. Quick, sorry, will, where? Oh, sorry. What will these donations be funding? Yeah. So honestly, what they'll be funding this summer is putting together this curriculum. Um, So we're bringing together like a couple of women who are working on this with us. Um, Also, I really would love to start hiring people. So we would really like to, there's a couple services we want to be able to offer women. We want to be able to offer um, fertility advocate services. We want to be able to offer birthing doula services. We're also going to be offering um, like nutritional specialist Mm -hmm. services because our nutrition is so tied to our hormones. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, So any donations are going to go toward funding all of those things. Awesome. Great. You yeah. got mine. Like I said, I don't have much, but I'll give what I can. <laughs> I this was so. I mean, I'm sold. Like you. Thank you. You guys are I'm, so awesome. <laughs> I'm so behind this, and I really and honestly, I think everybody listening will be too. Because once again, like this is information that we need. We need to get this out. Um, young girls need to get this to yeah. hear this. Like yeah. it from the rooftops. All right, y'all, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Um, Please make sure you rate, review, subscribe, follow Mary Kate, follow the Feminine Bureau. (laughs) Yep. Follow that. Um, I'm terrible (laughs) pronouncing things. Um, So yeah, follow that. All right, you guys. Bye. Hold on one more question. Why Feminine Bureau? Why that name? It, you know, it means, like I said, it means feminine truth in Latin. And I just, I think that that pretty much sums it up, right? Like we need Ah. to get out there the truth about femininity and about women's bodies. So that's. Love it. Okay. Just wanted to, cause this is a confusing way to say it and spell. So I was wondering, all right. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. (laughs) Bye Bye, Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram at Those Other Girls Podcast and on Twitter at TOG underscore podcast. Those Other Girls, changing culture and bringing back traditional values.